Amen. As we greet all of you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, how many agree that He is the Rock of Ages? Amen. And how many are standing on the Rock of Ages? All other grounds are sinking grounds, folks. As I greet all of you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Without waste of time, let us just turn to our Bibles. to the book of Genesis 5, 6. The verse will be verse 5 and 8. Maybe just to give a remark about Sunday, uh, God's purpose-driven life. Amen. Uh, and expectations, which is the subtitle. What we want to say, the message will give you a sense of purpose. How yes. many agree with that? Yes. The message of the hour will give you a sense of purpose. And actually, you have not lived until you have come in contact with the message of your, your hour. Are we together? Amen. Yes. Um, now, let's turn to that. It reads in this manner, I found Genesis 6 from verse 5. It reads in this, And God saw that the wickedness of men was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. It was a generation of psychopaths. Amen. What was abnormal became normal. What was normal became abnormal. Amen. And it repented the Lord that he had made men on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Don't ever get to a stage where God regrets for having created you. Amen. And the Lord said, I will destroy men whom I have created from the face of the earth, both men and beasts and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. My desire is that because all that we have read here, we can see the replica of that, especially in the end time. But my desire is that we should say, but you found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Let's bow our heads. Gracious Heavenly Father, we are very much thankful this evening. You made it possible for us to come here and to have a fellowship around the world. We have nowhere else where to go except to come to the weight and be re-energized and be built by this weight. And Lord, I just wonder, had grace not being extended to the human race, what would have become of the human race? But this evening, with the return of the pillar of fire, with the messenger that was on the scene, it tells us how much you love humanity. And Lord, for that, we will forever be thankful for that. 
And Lord, this evening we are just going to speak on a subject, grace, where we are going to look at how we benefited from this grace, which was unmerited. There is not even a single work of any human being that you considered when you became gracious to us. That is why this evening we can say it is not by works, but it is by grace. And through faith, our grace has done so much in our lives. And I believe men and women that are here can testify and say, if this had not come my way, I don't know where I would be. And my desire, let us never take this message casually. Let us never take it for granted as we committed the reading of the way to you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. While you take your seats. Um, just a couple of minutes, I want to speak on grace. Amen. Uh, that's what I want to speak on, on the grace of God. How many have got a sense of gratitude? I mean, I'm thankful that God has brought you until this far. Amen. And some of you, or all of us, we were heading towards a certain direction that could have destroyed all of us. But God, by his grace, he came and interrupted the plan of the enemy. Amen. Maybe just to give you something we am told about a young boy who was out in the bush and as he was moving around he came across the railway tracks and he found that the railway tracks where the part thereof was uprooted, was taken off so which tells you that had the train come the train was going to get derailed and this young man looked and while he was wondering what happened to a portion of the railway tracks, then he heard the sound of a train that was coming. And he knew that if this train it was to pass this way, or if it is going to pass this way, it was going to be derailed. Now the young man thought, what must I do? I can't stop the train, I'm just a, a tiny little boy. I'm told that he, he went a few kilometers be, uh, just before where the, the part of the railway tracks were taken out. And he just stood on the railway, railway tracks. And this train was coming at a terrific speed. The driver could see the young boy. And he had his arms stretched. And as he was coming there, the train could not stop. It had to run him over. But because it had to stop, the young man knew that at the point where the driver was going to apply the brakes, it was just a few minutes it would stop before it gets to where the portion of the railway tracks were taken. Now, later, after the driver had run over that young boy, later when it was discovered what did the young man do? It was discovered that he, he made a decision that rather than thousands of people perishing, 
who rather have one life that can preserve thousands lives uh, does it ring a bell i know that there is a train of humanity that was going a certain direction and the king of glory took a body of flesh and he stood on the railway tracks to stop the train so that you all of you can be saved are we together it took one life so that this evening all of us we can say by the grace of god we are standing amen now folks i want to say there is no human being that can express grace the way that our father has expressed the grace when you look i'm just i just want to say if they were to give you a power or the ability to rise and set to the sun and they were to give that power to an individual what was going to happen if you had the power to make the sun rise tomorrow and make it set and make it to rise again what was going to happen if you had that power a human being would have figured out that it is now time for me to make a lot of money isn't it so but uh, god has never even charged us for one thing that he has provided upon the face of the earth are we together so i'm simply saying grace can only be extended by our heavenly father coming back to the scripture that we read the bible says the generation of noah it was a wicked generation and we know jesus told us that as it was in the days of noah so shall it be when the son of man is going to be revealed they intermarried among them they did not have a respect for marriage they didn't have respect for god and there was a messenger sent from god who was noah and he kept preaching and saying to them repent because the earth is going to be destroyed by floods and the prophet say it was an advanced scientific age he says even today we cannot compare ourselves with that generation so they were able to send their instrument into the sky and investigate and find out that this man has lost his mind there is no way that the, the rain would come are we together but in the midst of that wicked generation these words are profound but noah found grace in the eyes of the lord and i'm saying in our generation we have the same thing that is taking place but my greatest desire is that we can say by the grace of god you found grace in the eyes of the lord are we together now brother brenham says grace in the message the message of grace he says grace is what god does for you grace is not what you do for god there is nothing that you can do that can impress god are we together he says grace is what god does for you works is what you do for god to show appreciation of what god did for you and by grace you are saved are we together i want to emphasize that by grace you are saved not by a church not by a pastor not by the pope by grace you are saved and why does it say by grace the moment you see grace being extended to somebody they you must know that that individual does not deserve grace grace doesn't come to the people that seem to 
to, 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 to deserve it. When you look at Noah, Noah was, was well, although he, God picked him up, but it doesn't mean that Noah was perfect. Noah was a human being. Noah had challenges like everybody else. But he, the grace of God had picked Noah during that time. And God said, this is my man. Are we together? And it is not anything that Noah did to attract God's attention. It is just the plan of predestination. Based on foreknowledge, God knew what Noah was going to be. And on the basis of that, he handpicked Noah and said, this is my servant. Even before Noah could try or attempt to worship God. The same thing with you. The reason tonight God picked you is not based on anything that you have done. The danger part is that sometimes when we have been in the faith for longer, we tend to think that we have done certain things to deserve the message that came to during our time. Are we together? And I want to say, in this church or any other place, no one did anything to deserve the grace of God. Are we together? And, and there is nothing in your background that must have attracted God and God said, but this must be a special fella. Maybe I need to do something around them. No, say. We were all undeserving. But God looked at us and we found grace in his eyes. Are you still with me? Now, Brother Brendan, in the message, the Hebrews, he says, we are, we are then perfect through Christ. We are free from judgment through Christ. We shall never die through Christ. We have lost death and found life through Christ. Not through a church. Not through any denomination. Not through any fantastic. Not through speaking with tongues. Not through shouting. Not through shaking. Not through dancing in the spirit. Not through wearing a long dress. Not through paying a tithe. None of those things. We were found through Christ. Are you here folks? The reason today we cannot face the wrath of God is because of Christ. Christ is the one that serves as a bumper between us and the wrath of God. There are many things that you have done and that you are still going to do. Many mistakes. But every time when God looks at you and wants to destroy you, he looks at you and he sees Christ. That's what saves you. Are you here, church? When Elohim came down and came into the household of Abraham, and when he was there and spoke to Abraham and made a promise that according to the time of life I shall return, and that when Sarah shall have a son, Sarah in the tent, in the heart, doubted that and laughed. Brother Branham said at that spot, the Holy God should have destroyed Sarah. But the reason he did not destroy Sarah is because Sarah and Abraham were one unit. Are you here, church? When God looked at Eve, Eve, Eve could have been destroyed. But what preserved Eve is because Eve and Adam were one unit. You could have been destroyed, but the reason you were preserved is because you and Christ is the same unit. So what saves you is Christ, is not your works. Are we together? I hope you are still with me. Now, 
Let's just bring this scripture on the screen, Ephesians 2, verse 8. Ephesians 2, chapter 2, verse 8. Okay, let's continue. For by grace are ye saved through faith. I want to stop here. There was a, a case where a minister pronounced healing upon somebody. And the person accepted that healing. But after a couple of days, they went home and they got sick. And that particular person brought the lawsuit against, against the, the preacher. Now, when the judge, when the preacher went there to present his case, the judge or the preacher said, she was healed for as long as she believed. And he proved that healing lasts for as long as you believe. And Brother Branham comes and says, you are saved for how long? As long as you believe. Are you here, folks? That is why the Bible says, for by grace are ye saved through faith. For as long as you believe that you are saved, you are saved. And the moment you stop believing that you are safe, not safe, and that is where the devil wants you. He wants to bring a flood of thoughts of doubt about your salvation. And, not, and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. Grace, it is the gift of God. It's not something that you deserve. It's something that God grants you. It's unmerited. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Tonight, you are who you are and what you are by the grace of God. What does that mean? The difference between you in church this evening and a drunkard in the streets is one thing. Grace. Had you not experienced the grace of God, you would have been exactly where that drunkard would be. Are you here, folks? What, what does it mean? It means when you have experienced grace, grace brings humility. And I'm going to show you somewhere where the prophet went into a shop. And when he was in that shop, he saw an old woman wearing skimpy clothes. And Brother Branham, in his heart, he began to look at the woman, and there was a condemnation that came from his heart. And he said, oh God, why don't you destroy the entire thing? Should Becky and Sarah be raised in this generation to witness this kind of thing? Why don't you just destroy the entire earth? Right there, the vision broke out. And he began to see his own iniquity. The right things that he should have done that he never did. And when every time the wrath of God was supposed to strike him, there was the blood of Jesus Christ that served as a bumper. And when he began to realize that actually I'm not different from that lady, the only thing that makes me to be different from that lady, it is the grace of God. Right there, Brother Brenham 
began to be condemned. And he went to the lady and looked at the lady now by the eyes of grace. From the eyes of judgment to the eyes of grace. But when he spoke to the lady, he found out that this young this lady was actually a Christian when she was growing up. But what made it no longer to be a Christian, she was mistreated or abused. And Brother Brennan began to speak to her about the Lord. And right there she said, I want to make my life right. And they began to kneel down in that shop. And he led that woman to cry. But had, had he continued to be judgmental, he would have never achieved the results that he achieved. There's so much that you can achieve when you become gracious. And when you become judgmental, you will never achieve anything. And those that have experienced grace, they become gracious. And those that have never experienced grace, they do not become gracious. What would we be had it not been by the grace of God? We were condemned, we were judged, but God overlooked our imperfections and said, I will go on the cross. And I will die for them. And I will redeem them. And today we can say, through it all, we are who we are by the grace of God. Amen. He continues in this, in this verse, if we can go to verse, I think it's 10. For we are his workmanship. A workmanship that means... He had us in his hands. He molded us in the manner that he wanted to mold us. He gave us the temperance that he wanted us to have. He gave us the demeanor that he wanted us to have. And Brother Brandon in the Church Age book, he says, The heavenly bridegroom created his own bride. So you are how you are. He had to create you and shape you and form you in the manner that he wanted. Are we together? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Are we together? Now, while at it, Brother Bram, he normally used this analogy of how they brought a violin that was rusted, that looked neglected. And they began to say to the people, uh, 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 this guy, he wanted to do an auction. And right there, no one wanted to bid for that violin. And while he was just busy there, an old man stepped onto the stage. He took that rusted violin and began to play it. And the melody that came from that violin, it moved to the audience. And when the audience was moved, he began to do the auction. Now, the value of the violin jumped. And they said, what was the difference? Is because it came into the hands of the master. The very same violin that was rusted. The very same violin that was rejected. But when it was touched by the master's hand, the value increased. And many of you remember your lives were undesirable. Your life, there is nothing that people could have desired in your life. But as soon as the master got hold of you, your life began to transmit a certain melody. Hallelujah. Grace has got a rhythm, folks. Your life began to transmit a certain melody until the people that looked at you that had no desire to be like you, they said, we cannot be like you, but we appreciate that there are people like you. What happened is because the master touched you. I hope we are together. 
Now, when you look at Jeremiah, Jeremiah, the Bible says, before you were formed in your mother's belly, I knew you. Are we together? God does not meet you on your on your the day when you get baptized. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, God knew you and called you. Are we together? Your calling did not happen when you came into the message. It was standing there, and the reason the devil attempted to take your life and failed miserably many a times. It's for one thing. It's because you had to come in contact with your calling. And sanctified you and ordained you a prophet over the nations before you were born. You believe in predestination or for ordination. We could go right there. That's what the prophet says. Yes. It's all together by grace. What does it mean? There are people even before they were formed in their mother's womb, they were predestinated to be message believers. Amen. Hallelujah. They were predestinated, to, they, are, they, are, they are made of the makeup to believe in the prophet. That is why we are not worried, folks. No matter how much the influence of hell can be exerted upon the face of the earth, there are people that have been immunized from the influence of hell. Why? It's because before they were formed in their mother's womb, they were sanctified. They were ordained. They were called by God. And there is nothing that the devil will do to reverse the calling. Are you here, folks? The message can be attacked from all sides. But there are people that will remain unshaken. Why? It's because they were designed for the message. Is because it is in their makeup to be nothing else but to be the message believers. Why? It is by grace they never chose that they would be message believers. But some great intelligence chose on their behalf that at the right time, no matter what background you come from, at the right time, a call shall be made. And God put something in your heart to respond to that call. Not every person has got that gift of the ability to respond to the gift of God. It is only the people that have experienced the grace of God. Not yet before the foundation of the world. They were chosen in Christ. Oh, maybe I had much better say this. Whatever the devil can say, he says it based on what happened according to the book of life. But I want to say tonight, there is a Lamb's book of life that will override the book of life. Why? Your name was written before the foundation of the world by God himself. Hallelujah. And at the right time, the devil loves the book of life. It is the book of deeds. What you did, what you said, how you behaved, it's all documented. He loves that. But my prophet, the invisible union of the bride, he says, you, your name was taken from the book of life, was transferred in the Lamb's book of life, and your name was written by God before the foundation of the world. 
Hallelujah. And when God wrote your name, he's a sovereign God. He did not have a committee that he consulted with and say, what do you think about her? That is before there were committees, before there were angels, before there were planners, before there was the end, before there was anything. It was God alone in his sovereignty. And it says in 2018, there will be this man, there will be that woman, will be born at such and such place. And at the right time, I want them back into the kingdom of God. And when they come, I don't care what they have done throughout their life. Because why? I love them. You want to tell me, brother and say God knew the end before the beginning. How do I know? He knew your ups and downs. He knew your imperfections. He knew you're going in and you're coming out. But he still said, Table, I don't care what you do. This is my child. This is my son. This is my daughter. This is my property. And tonight I want you to say, it does not matter what you have done. God is saying, you are his. And that once that makes you to say to the old devil that you say, you turn around and say, David, my father loves me. My father loves me unconditionally. I will never serve you anymore. I'm going back to my father's house. Are you here, folks? Hey, Amen. God chose you. He says it's by grace. It's all together by grace. It's not by desire. It's by grace. You are sitting on the chair this evening here in church. It is by grace. Correct. There are many people that would have wanted to sit where you are sitting. There are many people that would have wanted to live the life that you are living. There are many people look at uh, uh, who's this beauty queen that died during the time of Brother Brenham, Marilyn Monroe. Brother Brenham say she was a beauty queen. It is considered that she was the most beautiful woman in the 20th century. But Brother Brenham say I could see she was troubled. <coughs> and Brother Brenham say when I looked she needed exactly this message. And right there, we know how she died. Uh, they claim that it was drug overdose, but Brother Brenham saw that vision, if you remember. Brother Brenham said right there, they claim that she died by heart attack. Isn't so? They said it's drug, over, drug overdose. Brother Brenham said it was heart attack. Yes, I'm putting it correctly. But Brother Brenham, heart attack, she must have been under strain. While every young woman wanted to look and dress like her, in her heart, she had the emptiness. Hollywood could not fulfill or quench that thirst. And Brother Brenham looked at the nature of her thirst and said there is only one thing that could have quenched her thirst. That is the message. My question, she had the desire for the message. Why did not God bring her in contact with the message? Brother Branham says God is only obligated 
to the predestinated seat. Are you here, folks? So there are people that we may look at and say, wow, what a wonderful gentleman. You know, there are people that look messagical without being in the message. Their conduct is messagical without them. You must have met many of them in the mall until you ask them and say, uh, where do you fellowship? And they had no idea where you were, what you were talking about. But when you looked at them, they were messagical. But why are they not coming in contact with the message? Is because God is obligated to take this message into the hands of the predestinated one. For the mere fact that you have had an encounter with the message, that by alone shows that God loves you. That by its own shows that God is being gracious to you. How many people did this message bypass? How many? I mean, we're sitting, now we are almost 7 billion. Why out of 7 billion, many people, this message bypassed, but you, it came on your lap. What, 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 brought the, what, what drove this message your way? It must be an event that was orchestrated by God. Some of you, you thought, maybe it's about time I've passed my trick, now I'm going to weed bank for a tertiary, and when you came here and you staggered into a chair, God designed that you should pass the metric in the year that you passed. But the objective, when you pass the metric, that was not the objective. It was, by the way, God was orchestrating the events of your life, bringing you to a spot where you can meet, hallelujah, the truth of the hour. And as, as you, you've heard on Sunday, I, I'm going to emphasize, you have not lived God's purpose until you have met the message of your hour. Amen. How many agree with that? Amen. Amen. Now, there's a pastor. He was on a bus with a, a student who was just a new student that was going to college. And while they were in the, on the bus, the pastor turned around and said to the student, are you spiritually ready for temptations that you, you will face in college? The young man said, I don't have a problem with temptation. I have a strong willpower. And the minister turned around and said, listen, he had a pen and a Bible. And he says, you know that I can just make this pen to stand on this Bible even while the bus is moving. The young man said, oh, really? I'll only believe it when I see it. Then a minister took out a pen, put it on the Bible, and held it. The young man said, oh, but you never said you were going to hold it. And the pastor said, it shows nothing will stand on its own when it is going through the turbulences. And he says, young man, right there he let go of the pencil and it fell. He says, you're only standing because God is holding you. Church, tonight, you're only standing because God is holding you. The day he lets you go, you will fall. And I'm simply saying tonight, it is our desire, say, God, get a hold of me. And once you get a hold of me, don't let me go. Hold me right there. Whatever turbulences that may come, as long as I'm in your hand, I will remain unshaken. 
you that are young ones in the message, don't be afraid that if I believe the message, I will believe today, next week I will be God. No, just surrender yourself in the hands of the Almighty God. Once He gets hold of you, He will never let you go. He has never even lost one soul. All the people that he got hold of, they came to him and they remained in his hand. And tonight I'm simply saying, surrender yourself. Are you still with me? When you are a recipient of grace, you become gracious. You look at somebody and maybe let me put it this way. The prodigal son, before he left, the, the father must have had a long discussion. The mother must have had a long discussion. But I won't preach the message of the prodigal son. But the young man was determined. Give me my portion. I'm leaving. I'm done. Brother Brennan says, the father and the mother said, just before you go, why don't we get together and pray a last prayer? And they got together and they began to pray the last prayer. And the mother had packed the suitcase and the young man took off. Brennan, when he speaks about it, he says they were staying on a hill. And when he left, he went down the hill and disappeared and went to the far country. And when he got to the far country, I think when the son was gone, it must have broken the parents' hearts. If they were worshippers, maybe some believers must have said to their parents, you are not good enough parents. Look what happened to your son. I want to tell you, when the devil wants to test you, and put you on a trial. Sometimes he uses the people that are very close to you. Sometimes he can anoint somebody even in church to pass a remark where you feel worthless. I don't know what remarks they must have endured over the time. Maybe some parents said, you see, me, I'm not strict with my kids. I'm quite liberal with my kids. I make them to choose. That's why you see they've never left. But you, always, we had a family prayer. You went to church on Wednesday, on Sunday, but now he's gone. They must have gone through those experiences, but the young man left and was there in the far country, began to engage with women and spend money on alcohol, ran around with women and did all sorts of things that you can imagine until money ran out. And as soon as money ran out, friends ran out. When he was there, and later he found himself interacting with pigs, eating what was meant for the pigs. And while he was there, thinking that all hope is gone, what preserved the young man it was the memory of his father. What preserved the young man, it must be because the mother kept on praying. And right there, the Bible says, then he came to himself. It's quite a journey to come to yourself. When he came to himself, then he, he, he realized, I shouldn't be 
where I am. I shouldn't go through what I'm going through. My father is a rich man. Whatever I desired in my father's house, I got it. Right there, he began to think. I think he must have had some mind battles. Where he began to think, if I go back, will they welcome me? If they go back, what, what, what would become of me? But right there, because the conditions were now unbearable. The conditions was that there was, he was not experiencing love anymore. But he knew what love felt like. He knew what grace felt like. But he had wandered far away until he was there. And when he came to the realization that, no, I need to go back, he went to the master. I can imagine the conversation that they must have had. I can imagine the father, the master must have said, and he's exactly what he said. He said, if I had a son like you, I would never welcome back such a son. But I'm saying to the master, you're a liar. You are a liar because if you did not want a son like me, why did you hire me as one of your servants? If I was worthy to be a servant, somebody will see me that I'm worthy more than to be a servant. I can be a son. Are you, are you here, church? And right there, and he bid him a farewell, and he began to walk and took a journey back home. I can imagine, remember when he was in the father's house, he ate very well. But when he was out there, maybe he did not have sufficient nutrition. But as he was coming down, as he was coming, going back is never easy, folks. Repentance is never easy. Because why? You've got to disown your pride. You've got to disown your self-righteousness. You've got to come and bow down before God and say, God, have mercy on me. I am a sinner. And as he was walking, going back, I can imagine while he was moving, he must have met the people that stopped and said, wait a minute, you look familiar. Aren't you a son of such and such? So they say, yes, but he, wow, you've gone very thin. What happened to you? I think there were remarks that he, he must have met along the way. But uh, I tell you, there was something greater than remarks. There was something greater than the critic that was pulling the son back home. I remember when you wanted to come to the Lord, there are many things that wanted to prevent you, but you fell to the pool. Something kept on pulling you, and you met that critic, you met that critic, until you went to your old pastor and said, why are you going? That's a new church. But something in your heart said, no, this is the church of the firstborn. It was there before the foundation of the world. You fell to the pool. And the young man, began to learn, did not have sufficient energy, did not have sufficient strength, but there was determination. Even when I get there, even if they could say I'm a servant, it's fine. But while he was coming there, the mother and the father were in the veranda, just enjoying the shade. And when the father raised his eyes and looked, he saw that that individual looked familiar. The father didn't have to recognize him by sight. He had to recognize him by connection. And as the young man was coming there, the father met him halfway 
I remember when I wanted to come to him, he met me halfway. How many are here that say, God met me halfway? Had he not met you halfway, you would have not made it. Now the father came out running towards the young man. And when he got to him, he hugged him. He gave him an embrace. An embrace of love. An embrace of assurance. I remember when God gave me an embrace of assurance. Say, you have come to the right place. And the father right there, he gave me a ring. And the son said, I would rather be your servant. The father said, no ways. You are my son. You have always been my son. You will always be my son. You have always been his son. You have always been his daughter. Nothing will change. He gave me a ring as a symbol that this relationship has got no beginning and shall have no end. It is eternal. And right there he called everybody. Let us come and celebrate. The son is back home. Folks, let me tell you something. I've seen it many a times, even in the church environment. When once somebody wants to make right, there are people in church that say, mm-hmm. let's check it out. I have come to believe that whenever somebody say, I want to serve God, it does not matter how many times they fail. I will believe them, even if they try for the tenth time, I will believe in them like it's the first time that they are saying it. I know what I'm talking about. I know there was a sister that we used to fellowship uh, together. She was here and she's still here. And she would come to me and say, Pastor, I now want to serve God. And I said, Sister, by all means, you're welcome. After a couple of months, she's gone. After a couple of months, she's back and said, Pastor, I just want to serve God. I always said, the way I believed it the first time, I said, Sister, let's carry on. And after she disappeared some several months, later she came back after some months and said, now, Pastor, I'm ready. I said, let's carry on. Yeah. I, think, I think it must have happened close to six or seven times. Are we together? But on the six or the seven times when I said, let's carry on, she carried on. Even today, she's still carrying on. And I'm saying, David, what would have happened? What would have happened when she said on the six, seven times, I said, no, you always say that. We don't have time for that. You've got time to play. We've got no time to play. Don't ever come here. I did not know when it was the right time. For as long as she was attempting to come, I said, it is the right time. It is never late to come. Any time is the right time. Are you here, church? And our children, are you here, mothers? Our children must know the devil that we face today is much vicious devil than what you faced when you were growing up. And because the devil, I'm, I'm talking here, the devil, because of us being in the message as the parents, he has made us to lose even the human connection with our kids. Uh, are, are you here? Amen. Amen. Some, I mean, somebody was saying, 
it's quite amazing that parents would pick up that a child is pregnant, but they would never know that she's depressed while staying in the same house. My question is, if the child was to do something wrong, are you the kind of parent that she can have the ability to come back and say, Mommy, this is what I did. It's wrong. I know. And she would know you and her would pray together about it. Is your home environment conducive for the repentance of your young, of your children? Folks, I know what I'm talking about. We live during an era. It is challenging. And I will mention this. The pastor's house is not immune from the devil's attacks. My children are not angels. They need the grace of God. They need my prayers. They need your prayers. Are you folks? And your child... We live during an advanced era where they partake from the tree of knowledge. There are many things that they can do right under your nose without you being away. Are you? And there's no worst way that the devil can use to break a parent's heart than to lead your child astray. If the devil wants to discredit me as a pastor, he's got to find my children and make them do things until you as the church, you say, he's a good preacher, but look at his kids. He did it with our prophet. Billy Paul, in meetings, handing out prayer cards, but in no time, Billy Paul, at night, would jump through the window, go out, drink, and come and still go to church with them. Until the prophet, because he was a prophet, came to him and said, Billy, you want me to tell you where you were last night? He says, I did not want him to tell me because I knew that he was going to tell me. But later he said to him, he said, son, you've got to make a decision. And Brother Branham stretched his hands and his shadow formed the cross and said, you are at a crossroad. Either you've got to choose the right on the left. And Billy right there looked at the prophet and said, I'll choose the left. I'm actually leaving. I'm moving in with uh, my grandmother, Brother Branham's mother-in-law. Stay with me. While Billy moved with the mother, Brother Branham is out, out there hunting. While he's out there in the woods, the angel of the Lord comes to him. He says, your son is in trouble rush to the hospital and the angel gives him the name of the hospital. Well, Brother Branham is rushing to the hospital. Billy was there surrounded by the best doctors. His grandmother was there but he kept on screaming, call my daddy. Call my daddy. The question, why being surrounded by doctors you want you are dead? He said, because I knew God had a respect for my dad's prayer. 
Do you, do you see the influence? And when the prophet rushed to the hospital, he got there, they wondered, how did you know that he was there? He said, the angel told me. Right there, Billy Paul said, pray for me. He said, I'm not going to pray. This time it's you who's going to pray. You're going to speak to him as your personal savior. And right there, he spoke to him as a personal savior. And God reconciled the young man. But look, he knew the effect of his death's prayer to the Lord. He knew that it was the answer was not in the hands of the doctors. He knew the answer was not in the hands of my mother. He knew that my answer is in the prayer of my father. I have a question for you as parents tonight. Do your children believe in your prayer? Do they trust in your prayer? Do they believe in your prayer life? Can they vouch and say, we are living in a Christian house with Christian influence? And remember when they leave home, the influence goes with them. And I insist, I'm saying this, you men that are listening to me, hear me and hear me very well. You must make it mandatory in your house to go to church. I'll repeat. Every man must make it mandatory that children, we are going to church. Why? The house that daddy stays in, it was provided by God. The car that daddy drives was provided by God. The food that we eat were provided by God. The clothes that we wear were provided by God. God has provided everything. We are not going to take him for granted. We need to save him. It's mandatory in my house to go to church. It will be unpleasant, but they will thank you later on based on the influence that the home will have. A lot of times we have lost our children, not because the devil is vicious. Sometimes it's parental negligence. Do you allow me to preach? If you could hear that there is a lion roaming around the streets of Whitbank, would you be happy when your child is not in the home? Unless you are not normal. But if, if, the, if there's the lion roaming around, the first thing you say, no one leaves the house today. Yeah. But then we want to go and play. We are not playing. We have heard on the radio, there is a lion roaming the streets. But why are the message parents allowing their children to roam the streets when the devil is out there ready to destroy them? I'm saying the church is a place of refuge. Let our children experience the grace. And many of you as parents, your children, your parents never allowed you to allow, to do, to allow things that you allow your children to do. And you wonder, why are they not like me when I was growing up? Is because you are not like your mother and dad when you were growing up. Just a as I come to the conclusion, grace. The father did not interrogate the prodigal son. And where's your money? He embraced.
embraced him. Amen. Welcome Amen. home, son. We missed you. We love you. We were praying for you. We we're looking for the day when you would come. Samson. After he ran around with Delilah, after he brought the name of the Lord to shame, he was there when they were celebrating the defeat or the victory of Dagon over God. And while they were there, not knowing what was happening, Samson with his eyes poked out with just empty sockets, he was there. And in his heart, he began to pray, Oh Lord, just once more. I don't know that when the noise was going on, maybe with women giggling, laughing at him, uh, and the men being having a sense of self-actualization, we caught him here. He is, and right there, little they did not, little did they know that in his heart he was having a conversation with God. He remembered what he was born for the purpose of his life and he remembered how he was derailed from the purpose of his life while he was there holding one beam and another beam and he was crying and said oh lord just once more god was gracious he looked at his servant and knew that he ate so many times but he looked at him and saw that he was repenting and said oh lord just once more God had his prayer. Tonight, while you are sitting there, while nobody knows what is going on, you can say in your heart, just once more. And you know how your life used to be. You know the respect that you used to get from unbelievers. You knew, you know the integrity, spiritual integrity that your family used to enjoy among your peers, among your colleagues, and you know that somewhere I've gone cold. Somewhere I've taken the message for granted. Somewhere I'm no longer as dedicated as I used to be. Somewhere I failed to, to lead my family. Somewhere I allowed things that should have never been allowed in my household. But right now, God, I'm coming to a realization just once more. And God is gracious. He will respond to your call. He will honor your prayer. And not only for you, but for your entire household. If you've got faith for yourself, you will have faith to save your entire household. As Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, may this tonight, may you find grace in the eyes of the Lord. And how do you do? You've got to be separated and live a sanctified life. And God will come and honor your prayer. God bless you richly. Amen. Uh-huh.
How many say I know the master? Oh.
Consecrate your life. God is more than willing to hear you and respond to your desire. Maybe your prayer life has gone cold. Maybe the devil has taken advantage in your space. Maybe things are not as they are supposed to be. You're the only one that knows. And you're the only one that can raise the hand and say, God, be merciful. Like how the pastor showed to the young man, unless there is a hand that holds you, your life will fall apart. Unless there is a hand that holds your family, your family will fall apart. And this evening we'll remember you in prayer, not only for you, maybe your loved one. Maybe you can intercede on behalf of somebody and God will hear you and God will respond to you. Gracious Heavenly Father, none of us is perfect. 
we are only perfected through Christ. But Lord, just to know how from the foundation of the world you knew our lives. Our lives without the grace of God is stinking in your presence. But Lord, to be able to overlook what you knew and still chose us that is grace, but nothing grace, dear God. It is unmerited. And Lord, because we are trapped in this mortal life, and the devil is vicious in this realm, we can see what is happening to our young people. We can see what is happening to older people. It looks like as it was in the days of Noah, the minds of men are continually evil. Wickedness abounds in the end time. Lord, but we need your grace. We need your, your grace for us. We need your grace for our children. How can we escape in this evil age without the grace of God? How can we be sound Christians in this evil age without the grace of God? And Heavenly Father, there may be a lot of things that the devil may be saying to these people. But whatever report that he must be telling them, tonight I renounce every report of the devil. And we uphold the report of Christ. Lord, the battle we can see is intensifying daily. Young people are in church. The devil desired them to be elsewhere. And by grace, they are here. And by grace, they hear things that are being preached. And Heavenly Father, may you be gracious to our young people. May you fight for their battles. They may be going through some stuff that they would never even tell their parents. But I'm glad there is a Heavenly Father that knows about these things even before we tell him. And right now, we are just interceding for our young people. May you be gracious to them. Not only for our young people, even for older people, dear God. The devil has gone on the rampage. Some marriages are under a strain. And the devil would want to destroy, but I say, devil, you are a liar. We have been mandated and we've been commissioned by the message of the hour. And he told us who we are, that we are the wife of the Jesus Christ. And at this point in time, you have no right to bring destruction to anything that we hold to be of sacred value, dear God. And I say, Satan, you are a liar. Whatever you want to send our way, we are putting a message on it. Send back to the sender. We reject everything that you send our way. And Lord, tonight is me. It is not easy to be a man in the end time. There's many balls that we are juggling. There's work, there's family, there's this and that. We cannot be sound men without the grace of God. 
Help us, dear God, to have discernment. Help us to take our positions in our families. Help us to revisit the principles of the message on how one needs to lead a family. Sometimes we run short, including myself, and I say, be gracious, dear God. There are mothers that are here. Old mothers used to spend their night on their knees praying for their daughters. But because of the age, and because iniquity has abound, and because wickedness has abound, many are spiritually weary. What would happen to the daughters whose mothers never pray for them? God forbid. But Lord, may you have a special visitation for the mothers. May you put a burden upon their hearts. May you turn their pillows into stones and create a sense of discomfort so that they can go down on their knees and begin to pray for their husbands, to pray for their families. I've seen many a times how much you respect a prayer of a woman. Samuel was a product of a prayer of a woman. When a mother begins to get in business and be serious with God, things are about to change. Why? It's because our prophet has told us that the mothers are the fifth gospel. May you visit our mothers. May you renew their strength. There are daughters that are in the building. Young men of the world are anointed by the serpent to bring destruction upon our young girls. But through this prayer, we want to interrupt the program of the enemy. We live during a time where the devil has made it so much easy for him to access our daughters. But I believe that the name of the Lord is a mighty tower. And when the righteous run into it, are saved. May you be gracious to our daughters. Our young men live during a difficult age, an era of technology, an era of pornography, an era of all sorts of undesirable elements. But Lord, I know you can put a holy vase on the faces of our young men so that they grow up and become the soldiers of the cross, that their hearts could be set on fire and they can preach this message without fear. May you be gracious to our young men. May you be gracious to us as a church. We have a desire to take a stance for the weight in this community. Help us not to compromise even one bit. Help us not to move from the weight even by an inch. Help us that our hearts should have, should have a desire for more of the weight, the reading of the weight, the listening of the tape. May you come, dear God, and make our places a place of safety for our young people. That when they walk into our household, they can feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. May there be repentance that may take place at the family altars. 
May God move in a special manner, dear God. We don't want you to be God of history, but we want you to be God every day in our lives, dear God. And every situation that the devil brings our way, I believe we've got a remedy for that situation. And we've been given a name above all, the, above all names, and that is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in this name, we are asking for these things. In this name, we believe that what we have asked shall happen. We will be leaving the service. We need your traveling mercy until such time we meet again. But as you have always been gracious, continue to be gracious to us. We commit the service back to you. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Mercy road, my life. God bless you richly. Amen. How many thank God for His grace? Amen. Oh